The Toronto Argonauts started this journey in May when training camp opened at the University of Guelph. Today, six months later, the Argos exactly where they wanted to be, hosting the Eastern Final and just 60 minutes away from advancing to the Grey Cup. Live from BMO Field, where fans have gathered from London to Kingston, from north of the city to south of the border, Toronto Argonauts football is on the air. Along with former All-Star fullback and Grey Cup champion Bob Bronk, on-site engineers Luca Moya and Josh Couture, and in-studio engineer Josh Pulis, my name is Mike Hogan. Bronco, we're here. It's the Eastern Final. Great day for football. Perfect day. Oh, you're a fullback. You love this stuff. Bad weather backs, as Milt Siegel says. Yes, this is the kind of weather that running backs love. Okay, let's talk, let's look before we do anything else. Let's talk about the bad weather backs then, because uh, Montreal's got a really good one. Toronto's got two really good ones uh, with Stan Beck with the Alouettes, and not only AJ Olette, but your my, fellow my Winnipeg, Winnipeg native, uh, yes, Andrew, uh, Harris. Andrew Harris. Yes. How surprised are you that a guy's come back from a torn pec in August? A little surprised. The the great thing about a torn pec is that you can maintain your legs and your cardiovascular. Whenever you get an injury to your knee, if you pull a hamstring, pull a quad, injure an ankle, that's the thing that, that really gets gets sort of lost. You can't run, you can't train, you can't do squats. The great thing with Andrew is that he's such a dedicated weight trainer and, and, and he's into fitness that you can still do squats, you can still run the stairs, you can do wind sprints, so he can keep maintain his cardiovascular. But the pec injury is, is like the pec seriously when you're a fullback is not that big a muscle it is obviously for an offensive lineman because they're punch blocking but for a running back it's not as important and it doesn't until you have to block right but bob that's just just pain threshold though isn't at this stage if if the range of motion is back yes yes and and he's been very diligent he's been very diligent and working really hard and you as a running back you don't tend to punch block as much as an offensive lineman if it's a running play you'll use a shoulder block so it doesn't surprise me because he's such, you know, an intense athlete. And A.J. Olette, who came in and started after Andrew was hurt, uh, earning Eastern All-Star, you know, <laughs> accolades despite only playing half a season. That's how good he was. If there was a guy built for a not a bad weather game, but it's windy here, it's cold, A.J. Olette seems to be that guy. He's a running fire hydrant. He's about <laughs> as wide as he is tall. His his. His biceps are the size of a lot of guys' thighs. Yeah. He and he's and again, this guy's an intense weight trainer, really strong, keeps in shape. He's going to wear those defensive linemen down. Uh, let's get into uh, into prepping for this game. Uh, you went through this uh, a handful of times, uh, getting to the Eastern Final back uh, uh, with Holloway and Barnes and company. Um, let me ask you, just from a preparation standpoint, mentally, physically, do you change a lot in the week in in terms of preparation? Not really. Um, I had a routine where I watched a lot of game films. So I would watch a lot of the, the, the past three or four games of our opponent. Then I would also watch our last three games that we played against them. And then also the last three games we played. So I did a lot of film work. Yeah. And so that doesn't really change for, for the playoffs. But it just becomes more intense. Yeah. It just becomes more time sensitive, for lack of a better word. You you really don't want to miss anything. You really want to. You're trying to. Actually, you're just sort of recapping the season. Actually, it's it's way different than the start of the season because you don't have that film. But now, you really want to pay attention to that mental aspect more than the physical aspect. Uh, it, it's funny. That's that's a big part of it. And the, being uh, around them all week, it's it. You'll understand us. They were loose when it called to be loose yeah 
and they were very businesslike the rest of the time. And yesterday, Devaris Daniels' father, who played and coached in the NFL for a good long chunk and was uh, a defensive line coach with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl, he addressed the Eagles before the NFC Championship game, and they blew Minnesota out. He spoke to the team yesterday after practice, and they were riveted to what he had to say yesterday. So um, if they were dialed in before, they are super dialed in now. That would be really motivating. Absolutely, that would be really motivating. Yeah, so what was Obi like before a championship game? He actually was not a big talker. Um, He was pretty Mm -hmm. businesslike. And sometimes, to your point earlier, that sometimes there are times when levity does help break the ice and break the stress. Yeah. Obi was <laughs> no He's levity. That, yeah. No, no, no levity. Neither was Ralph Sajo. Oh, <laughs> levity. <laughs> levity was not. You don't use their names and levity in the same sentence. Um, I want to talk about the crowd today too. Uh, this will be by far the biggest crowd of the season. Um, it, it, if it doesn't beat last year's playoff game against Hamilton, it will be knocking on the door. And last year there was the influx of you know four or five thousand people from down the QEW for the game. Didn't need that this year to get there. So this will be a very, very pro-Toronto crowd. Uh, you played in the days at CNE where it was 40,000 people in the building. What does, a, what does a crowd mean for a home team, and how disruptive can it be for a road team when it's very loud and very pro-home team? Well, I, th- I think if you look at Winnipeg and Regina's examples for the home team, it is a tremendous advantage. Just getting a first down and hearing the roar just pumps you up. Like, you know, in the middle of a play during the game you don't hear it but when that plays over when the rep blows that whistle and you get you know you've made a great catch you made a great you know run and you hear that roar it just keeps that adrenaline pumping in a good way not not in a bad way and so it's it really does uh create momentum and it, it just builds on the existing momentum you've had with good plays for the opposing team it it can be you know it can be a couple of penalties yeah it, it can you know it can be some offsides. It can be delay of game. It, it's it's the roar can be so loud. Like when I played uh, my second year, we played in the BC Place, mm-hmm. and I was three or four yards behind Cronrich Hallway. I could not hear him. Yeah. When the roar was on there, they had Crazy George and they had like the crowd <laughs> the drum, and yeah. and it was like seriously, I was three four yards behind. And you could not hear the the call. I, I talked to Dejon Allen. Uh, I want to get both perspectives, like a home crowd and a road, like if you're in a hostile environment. I wanted to talk to Dejon Allen, who plays, you know, the receivers are going to have the hand signals. For an offensive tackle, Yes, it's different because he's used to going on sound. All of a sudden now, the Montreal offensive tackles today are not only going to have to rely on hand signals from the guy next to them, who's going to rely on hand signals from the center, who still might not be able to hear the quarterback. Um and you've got to start turning your head, which is the last thing you want to do as an offensive lineman. You want to be square on the guy you're going to be blocking. Anything like that, it's a small stuff. It's a millisecond, but yeah. it, it's an important millisecond. And offensively, it really handcuffs the quarterback in, in changing the play. Yeah. If he's got an audible, there are hand signals, as you said. But the offensive line often don't – they're looking straight ahead, and they're not looking at the quarterback who's behind yeah. them. So it makes it really difficult to switch the play. And so a lot of times you're going to see them calling a timeout, wasting a timeout, or, or, or 
delay of game, trying to get that message across. Yeah. So it's a big advantage. It's a big advantage. Uh, Shaq Richardson said that defensively they basically have hand signals for every check that they need to do. Um, so he said, I like it when we have to use that because that means the offense can't hear. Right. So they, that, you know, tendencies, yes. So defense, it doesn't really matter. As long as they know the hand signals, they're all good. But for the offensive lineman, if the quarterback wants to audible into something, he can't audible. So he's got to use the hand signals, and he's got to get the play to everybody down the line on one side and then turn around and do it down the other side. Tick, tick, yes, tick, exactly. Tick. So it's, I think it's imperative for, for Montreal to get up to the line out of the huddle quickly. Yes, you'll probably see a lot of that. Um, no huddle, actually. Yeah. Probably it, it, just, just for that very reason. Oh, we're going to scoot away. We're going to come back. We'll, uh, we'll start breaking down the minutiae. We'll talk about the starting lineups, uh, talk about some of the changes, some of the difficult decisions that both coaching staffs had to make uh, as we get ready for uh, what's going to be a heck of a party here today at BMO Field. It's the uh, Argos and the Alouettes in the Eastern Final. Winner goes to the Grey Cup. We are about 29 minutes away from the opening kickoff here on TSN 1050. Beautiful day for football. Mike Hogan, Bob Brock with you at BMO Field for the Eastern Final. Argos, Alouettes, winner goes to the Grey Cup. And uh, let's go over the Argo offense. We'll start with the uh, the starters today. Offensive line from left to right, Philip Blake back out at left tackle. The Toronto native went to Baylor. Ryan Hunter, uh, the North Bay native with a Super Bowl ring from Kansas City, is the left guard. All-star, Justin Lawrence uh, from the University of Alberta. Dariush Bladek. Uh, is the uh, right guard and the right tackle all-star from the University of Hawaii, Dejon Allen, receiving core. And there was uh, th- there were a lot of guys to choose from. Is everybody starting to get healthy finally? Uh, the starters will be Devaris Daniels, Curly Gittens Jr. Uh, we have uh, Markeith Ambles, Cam Phillips, and Brandon Banks. The starting running back, as we mentioned, will be A.J. Olette, although Andrew Harris is there to spell him off when need be when there is a fullback in the uh, formation it will be Declan Cross and the starting quarterback all-star MVP Mr. McLeod Bethel Thompson the team MOP Um, McLeod can be streaky Trevor Harris can be streaky how do you get into a streak as a quarterback high percentage passes get get the the gimmies the easy ones um it really, it really helps if your running back gets five, six yards on the first carry. I mean, clearly that's a, that's a given. But once you have that, then then it opens up and you can start getting into that streak where you get all of those completions in a row, which McLeod generally does. What do you like the best out of McLeod? When, when, when he's at his best, what do you see? What I This may sound kind of strange, but whenever he has a not a very good first half, the thing that I really admired about him is he does not let that get in his head. And then he just pulls up his bootstraps, and he just says, "You know what? Set first half's gone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rebound." And there's been so many games where they've been down in, at halftime, and they've come back, and he's had an amazing third and fourth quarter. So I don't, I want, I don't want that to happen today. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> but, but what I, he does not let adversity affect him. So that's that's the thing that I really admire about him. He does not let it affect him. So. I would hope he's he's hot right off the bat and he doesn't have to face any adversity. Uh, if we were talking keys of the game, and uh, I've talked about this quite a bit this week, is how important it would be for the Argos to get out to a quick start. A, that's one of the reasons, and B, 
let the crowd get into it and yes. let this crowd start getting louder, which becomes even more detrimental to what Montreal's trying to do. And and Trevor Harris is the same way, right? I mean, what Trevor Harris has never met uh, a throw for two yards that he doesn't like. Uh, but what that will do, you've got the running game, the quick hits, and two, three times a game, he'll load up and go down the rail. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's the one thing that when you're playing a defense or playing an offense like Montreal runs, you can't fall asleep on the deep ball or you're going to give up six. Wenicky, he's not had as good a year as he has previously, yeah. but he is that. And Lewis, of course, they're yeah. deep threats. What Montreal's going to try to do, to your point, they're going to try and keep the crowd quiet. Yeah. They're going to try and get a jump on an early lead. You know, just like when the Argos play in Hamilton, it's like try and get take the crowd out of the picture. So they're going to probably try something, you know, deep right away, try and get an early lead. But again, if the Argos can can get an early and jump on and have that noise through the first half is going to be really tough for the second half. William Stanbeck let the, lit them up last year for over 200 yards rushing. He's back. He's I don't know if he's 100% yet, but he seems to be getting better every week after coming back from an injury that cost him most of this season. Uh, he was injured the first week. He came back with, I think, three games left in the regular season. And every game he seemed to be a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. If he is... 90% of William Stanback today. How much does that scare you with the way that the Argos run their defense? Well, I think McManus, Mwamba, and Edwards, this this game is going to be really focused on what they do with the run. It's, and it's not just Stanback. Fletcher and Antwi had 5.7-yard yeah. average through the whole season. Yeah. So they actually have a three-headed monster. So those linebackers, it's going to be very important for the defensive linemen to keep the offensive linemen off the linebackers and let them do their job. And keep those first down runs to three yards, less than five yards. So Harris doesn't have as much in his playbook. Okay, let's let's stick with the offense. So on the other side of our of our next break, we'll talk about the defense and what they want to do. Uh, offensively, we talked about the quarterback. Whose day is it today? Is it one of the receivers? To, are you a per, per, uh, particular fan of, of of a specific receiver that you've seen in the matchups against Montreal, or is it running game front and center today? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say Curly Gittin Jr. Week 20 was the the second game against Montreal, yeah. which was important game. The last game was not. It was the an one, exhibition the one game. The clinched this game. Yeah. Gittin's had 117 yards. He had half the he had half the uh, the receiving yards. Yeah. And and you know he's he's used to this weather. He's Canadian. Um, I'm looking for a big game from him. It's funny because last year he started as the Z, right? The 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 receiver to the wide side of the field, as far away from the quarterback as you could get. And today, he finds himself in the slot on the boundary with Tavares Daniels outside him. Uh, so you get the most uh, dynamic, I guess, two receivers, both on that side of the field, uh, closest to the quarterback. But Gittin's on the inside and Daniels on the outside. you like that? Yes. I, I think it's going to be dangerous. It's going to really create a lot of problems for Montreal's defensive backs. There were, there were a couple of things in practice this week that they did um, to that side of the field. That I'm, I'm obviously not going to say what they were, but... I, <laughs> I really like some of the stuff they were running out of that combination. And while they haven't worked all year together, uh, it seems to be a natural fit. They seem to to really play off each other really well, kind of the way that Eric Rodgers and Daniels did. You know, the, the two kind of veterans. But now that Curley, second year as a starter, third year in the league, he's really um, a guy that, like you, studied the playbook, studied film, study, study, study. He's the guy who says, you know, You'll see him at practice. They'll have a bit of a breather if specials are out there. Curly's 
over in Max ear. Hey, okay, what did you see on that? What did you? Well, why did that work? Why did that work? He's that. He's he's that student of the game that goes with that incredible amount of talent that he has. So uh, to see him and Daniels be able to play off one another, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Montreal and what they do because they mix up their coverages and their personnel. Like they'll flip Will and Sam all the time. It's 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 interesting what they do, and I'm curious to see how they try to exploit that from an Argo perspective. Well, the fact that Gittins is a, a student of the game shows maturity, and it also it really makes a big difference visualizing what you're going to do before you do it. And having that ability to talk to another receiver who you're working with, that really really is very important. It's almost more important than a physical rep. Also on the offensive line, we mentioned the five guys back. Ryan Hunter came fairly late in the season as well. He's got a handful of games under his belt at this stage. Um, is it a coincidence that the running game has gotten better since he's been in the lineup? I don't think so. And I think it's that's going to be a key from the offensive side. What the offensive line does in terms of pass blocking and run blocking is going to be very important today. If they can get Andrew and A.J., you know, four or five, six yards on first down, that's going to be very, very big. As Ricky Ray always said, and he was always, if there was any criticism of Ricky Ray, it was, you know, captain check down at times. And Ricky would say, second and six is easier than second and ten. Exactly. Or second and sixteen. So we'll take the time out. When we come back, as big as a as an impact Andrew Harris should have on the offensive lineup today, oh, somebody's back that should have a bigger impact on the defensive side of the ball. We'll talk about the return of number 48 when we continue with the countdown to kickoff. We are about 17 minutes away from the Eastern Final. It's the Argos and Alouettes today here on TSN 1050. Oh, we're back. Mike Hogan, Bob Bronk, getting ready for the Eastern Final. I was kind of lost in space there for a couple of minutes. Uh, let's see. Countdown to kickoff here. It's the Eastern Final. Argos, Argos and Alouettes about 13 minutes away now from the opening kickoff. Here's your defensive starting lineup for the Boatman. Uh, the guy that we, uh, you know, that the Argos signed for this date, for the playoffs, Ja'Garrett Davis. He's been in the league five years. He's been to five Grey Cups. Um, he was, in my estimation, the best player in the playoffs last year when he was with the Ticats. Uh, he was a beast, and we'll see what he can do today at one end. Robbie Smith will start over on the other side. I expect to see a lot of Brandon Barlow in in the rotation as well. Uh, and the uh, dynamic duo in the middle, the guys that very rarely get the love because they're doing all the dirty work, Sean Oakman, he's an all-star this year, and Dwayne Hendricks, who is the guy that's drawing the double teams, and he's that fire hydrant in the middle that, you know, he's built for that position and opens up so much for the rest of the defense. The best linebacking core in the CFL has been reunited with Winton McManus back in the lineup. Uh, he's at the will. The Sam is Chris Edwards, who is back at Sam after playing some uh, uh, some uh, field-side cornerback for a couple of games and then being out of the lineup. And Enoch Mwamba, the guy who might be the most important guy defensively today because if they go heavy on the run, Montreal, your middle linebacker is there to clean up. And uh, the 10-year veteran of the CFL with a couple of years in the NFL as well, uh, he's the man to clean that up. Secondary, Royce Mechie is the safety. Uh, Deshaun Amos and Shaq Richardson, as Shaq goes back to the boundary half spot. And uh, the cornerbacks are Tarveris McFadden from Florida State and the all-star from Mississippi State, Jamal Peters. And I don't think we can uh, we can talk enough about how effective Jamal Peters was uh, this season as the uh, as the boundary corner for the Toronto Argos. He's just been phenomenal. Well, their whole... 
they're, everybody is back and healthy, which is really, really important. And to your point earlier, Jaguar Davis yeah. and Oakman, those guys are scary. I, I can't believe how Jagarid moves around. When you look at him and you look at his body, you go, this guy can't move. This guy chases quarterbacks down he, he and stops. So when he, get, he gets hit by a running back, he doesn't get knocked backwards. It's like the running back has hit a brick wall and stops. The, the, the amazing thing, he made the play of the year in the Eastern Final last year where they sent the, the running back, D.J. Foster, out on a wheel route in the uh, southwest corner of the end zone. Jaguar Davis, as a defensive end, followed him, turned his back to the ball, and knocked it away. And when I talked to Jaguar for the first time this season after he'd signed with the Argos, I said, how did you do that? And he goes, nobody knows this. Until I went to university, I was a safety. Nobody knew that. So for him to turn around and follow the the eyes of the deep, he knew what he was doing. He made a similar play to that this year, about 35 yards downfield. He's a 6'1", 270-pound defensive end who was following four or five receivers downfield and running backs. It's crazy somehow he does it, but he had a couple of sacks in that game. He had a couple of sacks against Montreal, or against, yeah, against Montreal in Hamilton in the East Semi last year. Made the play of the game when he tackled William Stanback at the goal line on a third down gamble. Yes. Uh, had a sack in the in the Grey Cup. He is one of those big money players. And as Mike Clemens said, as you hear the boos for the Montreal Alouettes as they come out onto the field, as Mike Clemens said, we don't have to beat Jagarit now. Yes. He's, he, he was the best guy in the league in the playoffs. Now we got him. Yes, he, he really is a monster. And Oakman is the same. Yeah. A man his size, it's just incredible how he can move around. Sean Oakman is, and it's going to sound weird when I say that, he's 6'9 and 270, but he doesn't look that big. No. Like he looks long and lean. He looks like he's a receiver, but he is that heavy. He is that muscular. He is that strong. And he hits like a ton of bricks when he hits you. So uh, there will be uh, a lot of pressure, I would assume, today on Trevor Harris. What does the return of Winton McManus mean to this one? It means that he, that it, it's really, they can't really focus on, a, there's not a weak spot. There's not a weak side. There's not a weak side. It's it, There's strength across the board, and that, that hopefully that's going to create a lot of problems for their running game. And he's the guy who's great in coverage. He's, he has been a quarterback and a football magnet. Like He's one of those guys who will diagnose a play correctly, and get off his man and go and help out and be the second guy to the ball if he's not the first guy there. He's just, he's that guy. As the uh, Argos are showing the hype video now as they get ready to come out of the tunnel and the crowd uh, still lineups here to get in. Uh, it's going to be a loud, rocking building today. Upper deck on the east side open for the first time today. Lower bowl sold out. Upper deck this side sold out. And I think they got around uh, the first ten rows sold on the other side. So, uh, we'll see uh, We'll see how many people uh, show up today. It's a little cool down here by the lake. We haven't talked about the weather yet and the wind. Uh, when you look at the wind right now blowing toward Lake Ontario, which is not the norm in this building, how much of an impact do you think that's going to have today? I think it's going to have an impact, especially in the in the uh, kick and field goals. It's going to have a it's, – it's, it's quite steady. So throwing into the wind is going to be a problem and also kicking into the wind. And you can hear by the crowd noise that the Argos are taking the field. And they are appreciative of the amount of fans who are in here today who uh, 
When I got in here at about 9, a little bit before 9 this morning, uh, the tailgate was already underway. And you know what it was, how tough it was getting in here because you were looking for a parking spot. It took me longer to <laughs> get a parking spot than it took me to get down to the stadium. Yeah, it was – I left early, but, boy, I'll tell you, I hope my car doesn't get towed. I'm not sure I'm in a legit place. <laughs> I'll have to ask Pinball if you know someone with the police. Well, yeah, if, pin, if, if anybody can get you out of a parking ticket, it would be Pinball Clemens. Um, and uh, that was part of the buildup as well. Pinball was all over media this week. Uh, uh, we got a lot of traditional media jumping on board, a lot of non-traditional media jumping on board to talk about uh, the Argonauts and their road to this game and this game specifically. So we are continuing the countdown to kickoff. We are getting closer and closer uh, for the Argonauts and the Alouettes. And uh, as mentioned, a cool, crisp day here by Lake Ontario with the wind blowing toward the lake. And right now, uh, it's pretty brisk. And while the telltales may not show it, when you look up at the uh, the celebratory banners, the championship, the 17 Grey Cup championship banners and the all-time Argo banner, uh, it's blowing pretty well. And there are also a, a series of flags on the concourse level in the South Grandstand. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it is going to come into play. I don't think there's very much doubt about that at all. So getting closer and closer. Eastern final. Starting to get that tingle. Starting to get the... Do you wish you were up there now? Do you... Do you, do you miss this time of day as yes, a player? Yes, yes, you do. You, when it's fall, after Labor Day and that gets that nip in the air, and on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, it's like that's football weather. It is. We'll come back and we'll have the kickoff for you. This is the Eastern Final. Argo football on TSN 1050.